welcome to the cast for another edition. Daylight savings time fucked me up this week. That's what everyone's been saying. Rebecca's in Phoenix. Yeah. Well, you, I just was like, I don't know what time is anymore. You're like 3.30, so I'm like 6.30, and then it's 5.30, but then we just talked for a half an hour when we were supposed to be recording anyway. Yeah. So, who knows? I mean... I don't understand daylight savings time. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't really know what it does. Like, can't we abolish it? I, I don't, like, love it. It was allegedly for farmers, but that turned out to be, like, a lie. And I don't know what the real story is. I don't know. It seems stupid. And I never grew up. Time isn't real. Time is irrelevant. And I didn't grow up with it because Arizona doesn't observe daylight. Most of Arizona. Some weird parts up north do, but. So, like, when I moved to Massachusetts, I was like, what the fuck is this? Why are we doing this? It's stupid. <laughs> California does it, right? Yeah. Every, every other, it won't, I don't think Hawaii, so, but every other state. So Caesar could, like, guide you through it. He was like, here's what happens. Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand why it's five o'clock and it's pitch black outside. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Boston. That iced coffee looks really good. I'm is kind it, of jealous. It's in a beer glass, so it looks fancy. I have a pot of coffee I made this morning that is probably cold enough to be iced coffee. So yeah, that's I love it. I'll set. treat myself after we talk about neo Nazis. Oh hey. God. Uh in case you're wondering. Uh, so spook, spooky <laughs> succubus cast. Uh anti racist, anti capitalist, inclusive, intersectional podcast about horror movies. Anti fascist. Uh, and this is yeah, that's a it's a relevant point mm-hmm. today. We don't condone Nazis. Yeah, you, that's our official statement. Uh, fuck Nazis is our official statement. Fuck yeah. Nazis. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah. So this is we're talking about Jeremy Saltner's 2015 Green Room, which I saw for the first time today. And some of it yesterday, because when I have to watch a movie, it takes me a really long time to watch it. Right. It's like the the mindset behind it, because otherwise I'll just like accidentally sit down and watch all of Squid Game, which is what happened to me. Um, Did you? I haven't started it yet. Adam was like, I downloaded it for the plane, but sometimes I get anxious on airplanes. I was like... May not be Don't. the move for an airplane. Yeah. Well, Caesar and I. So Caesar and I have been watching like lighthearted Master Chef, and then. I was like, everyone's been telling me that I'd really like this movie because it's, you know, anti-capitalist and then or this show. Uh, and I was like, do you want to watch it together? And he's like, well, me and my brothers watched one episode. And I was like, OK. And he's like, I, didn't, I couldn't get into it. And I was like, wow. OK. So then I started watching it a without betrayal. him. A betrayal. And then he's like, are you watching that without me? I was like, you said you couldn't get into it. So, so I know. And now it's yeah. too late for me to stop. I can't stop now. I need to know what happens. But I was openly I mean, yeah. weeping. Like, if he wants to catch up, that's his prerogative, you know. No. Plus, I'm like uh, two Caesar episodes. Li- does Caesar listen to the cast? I don't know. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he listened to the he first few, taps. and then he was, you know, he like likes all our stuff. Double taps on Instagram. Hell yeah! yeah. Oh, it's the lotion edition. Oh, spaghettios! <laughs> you also do it so Sorry. close to the mic on purpose. Well, I. I don't think of it until I'm sitting in my bedroom and I look at it on my bedside table and I'm like, I do feel dry. <laughs> You're right, lotion bottle. I do feel dry. Hey, thank you for pointing that out. So, uh, yeah, this movie is 
scary because pretty sure this could really happen at any time. I'm pretty sure it might have really. Like, this is a feasible scenario. It also, uh, it feels so real. Like, all of the, a lot of the times you have to suspend your belief on, like, how characters are acting, how the villains are acting. But all of these people, all these characters, all of their decisions feel so real. And that's part of the horror. Yeah, I guess um, Jeremy Selnier, like, beat himself up a little bit because he was like, oh, it's, like, so shitty when I watch it back because the characters would never give up the gun. Like, that's so unrealistic that they would do that. And I was like, no. I think you're too smart because I didn't think of it that way. I was like, yeah, I would have I've been that. like, yeah, I think maybe, you know, I don't know these guys. It's also, like, an interesting perspective because it's an all-white band because the punk scene, especially in America, is very white now because they kicked out all the BIPOCs. Um, but, like, it's an all-white punk band with a Jewish member who's like passing as a white guy and they're even though they're not all right they're like are allowed to pass in those sort of scenarios and so it's like they don't understand the true horrors of it as if it were like a brown like brown and black people would be like fuck no I don't trust these Nazis fuck that but then like white people are like oh they're you know they could give us a chance yeah so yeah I guess I can just oh um I didn't know Aaliyah Shawkat is um Iraqi. Yeah, her on her dad's side. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I in the like, movie. She, I couldn't remember what her she's white. Yeah. But yeah, I love uh yeah, it's like, oh, we I guess we can just play this show at a skinhead club and just like for the money and move on. That's like a certain kind of white privilege that exists. Yeah. In a like confusing space because like, I guess that's pretty common in the punk scene. They're like, oh, yeah, there's always, like, a few at every show. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess, like, where I have to sus- suspend my disbelief is if you're, I mean, and I guess it's, like, it's where, like, racism and classism and all the isms intersect because they're, but is it? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, they're poor. Like, poor people are systemically oppressed. But they kind of, like, made the decision to be poor. And that's referenced in that Tad is like, oh, you were really hard to find. You don't have a social presence. And they're like, oh, we feel like it would be disingenuous to be, like, commercially successful. But that's so because that's like they're a- white kids. Like, they are allowed to have yeah. that. Yeah. So it's like, okay, when you're desperate for money, maybe you'll do, like, more things. But then it's like, I don't think you're ever in a position where it's like, yeah, I'll willingly walk into a skinhead bar. I would never. I would would never. I know I would never walk out. We're fucking leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Like. No, you would die. Yeah, I would be dead. Uh, Yeah, there's no, like, I look very brown. There's no, like. She could be. But it's also weird because punk is like this anti-establishment started as like a very inclusive movement. But it's like, I, we'll get into it with the punk history, very light uh, history that we have later is like some of it was far right and some of it is far left. And like there's so many punk scenes and it's like such a and it's also like an underground space and a space outside of the and norm. And I feel like they're are like there has grown like a scene a punk scene for BIPOC probably in the last like 20 30 years right well I mean there's but there's also punk everywhere like there's punk in Mexico and Chile and like it's just like Italy yeah Japan yeah everywhere and like the punk scenes especially in Latin like Latin America are very left and they're like 
actively fighting mm-hmm. against fascist regimes to their like potential death and imprisonment. So, I mean, it, and then at the same time, there's like far right neo Nazis in America just being shitheads. I don't. And we can't really like forget that it's a very like Western movement that in its like attempt to be like subcultural is extremely exclusionary in a lot of ways. So what is the value of creating a subculture that's designed to be exclusive? Although some punk scenes are are really inclusive. inclusive. Yeah. yeah. It just it's weird. And I think a lot of the time, well, we don't know anything don't know about anything. punk. Okay, don't come for us. We're anything. we're saying it at the top here. I think a lot of the time, satire and irony are mistaken by people who are outside of the scene. So, like when UK people, yeah. which was not right, but when UK bands were being like satirical and ironic, wearing swastikas, and then the US punk scene copied that without understanding any of the subtext or the culture, or the history, mm-hmm. then it just, like, turns into this, like, fascist movement. Um, and is like... It just Im- seems like a total juggernaut. Like, it's just, like, when, you know? People were so... Like, white supremacists were so hungry for some way to, like, rationalize their bigotry and violence that it was like, oh, this, like... UK band that is kind of like ironically wearing the swastika and like turning a critical eye uh, towards like white supremacist culture like oh sorry we didn't see that nuance or like we chose not to see that nuance so now we're neo-nazis oops yeah I mean we're getting way ahead of ourselves uh you know what are we talking we're about also <laughs> we're also idiots we're idiots so we're like- fucking dumb um, but we're just <laughs> green room. Okay, should I? Well, let's start with the plot. I I will say. Okay, uh, let's just start with me saying. I was like, are they in a room that's actually green? And then halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, <laughs> you dumb it's bitch. The green room. <laughs> and I know what a green room is, so don't at me, okay? Yeah. Uh, your fiance tours all the time. You've been in a green room. You've been in your shared green room. Sat in a green room with snacks. Yeah, uh, they always have good snacks. Well, this one didn't have great snacks. No, no snacks. I mean, except for Joe Cole. But whew. anyway, so damn, I can't even talk about it. I was like, where do I know that hunk? from and of course it's skins somehow it's always skins i don't know why we're always talking about people from skins but everybody is so fucking hot and i like really can't watch it again because it's like actually emotionally destroyed me the first way through really like god what a tragic character i think i stopped watching like after the cassie for yeah i don't really remember even what happened i think i was like in college when i watched it the first time I was too, uh, and I don't remember. I think I watched it with someone, but it was so good. The first two seasons are so good. Right, yeah. I think that's kind of when I stopped watching. I don't want to watch them again because I it will hurt me in my heart. To go back. Um, remember Tony? He gets the brain injury. Oh, oh yeah. I think I do remember that. It also just felt and like... Sid, Sid and Cassie, and then I think it was... Oh, shit, what was her name? There's Chris and uh, Skin Season. This is a Skins podcast. All right, this is this is Skins podcast. We're not here to talk about this, but uh, 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 tell me about it. 
I do remember, like, in U.S. shows, I feel like the part when they do, like, high school party scenes, it always feels so fake and forced and not, like, something they do all the time, which is how it is when you're in yeah. high school and you're partying Aww. all the time. I'm looking at all the cast and I'm, like, feeling so I think you should feelings. just go back and watch it. Just do I'm it. I'm afraid. Um... But okay, let's, so uh, series one. Give me just one. Second. <laughs> <What are> you- <laughs> oh, this is so bad. Okay, Jal. Remember Jal and Chris, and she gets pregnant, but then Chris has like brain cancer or something. So they move into their own apartment together, and then no. Oh, oh man, it was so sad. I'm gonna just I'm gonna read the they, while you read the plot to Green Room. Uh, okay, so we're gonna Green Room 2015. This is one of my favorite movies. Okay, so and if you've never seen it before, I know we've said this before, but watch it. Watch the movie. It's so good. It'll break your heart. But maybe watch it and then listen to this because I'm gonna ruin all of the plot points. Okay, so we've got a struggling underground punk band, Ain't Rights. Uh, they're touring across the northern northeastern U.S. They wake up in their van in the middle of a cornfield. Frontman lead singer Tiger fell asleep at the wheel with the engine running, and they're out of gas. Bassist Sam, played by Aaliyah Shawcat, who I love. I love her so much. And guitarist Pat, who's played by Anton Yelchin, uh, who we talked about last time, who R.I.P. May he rest in peace. Um, they bicycle to a skating rink to siphon gas. Uh, back on the road, they meet up with Tadpole, their connection, who gives them the keys to his place to stay. The next morning... I'm sorry, Tadpole? Yeah, it's his name, Tadpole. His name isn't just Tad? No, it's Tadpole. No. Yes, a thousand percent. Why are you saying this? <laughs> I'm so confused. They do call him Tad, but yeah, it's Tadpole. That's not a name. Okay, go on. So the next morning, Tad interviews them for his radio show for a college station. It's revealed that they have no social media presence. Reese, the, as aforementioned, too hot to handle Joe Cole. Oh. Wow. Uh, he's annoyed by this, but Pat argues that if you take music virtual, you lose the texture and shared experience of and energy of live music. It's like a little pretentious. Uh, like maybe chill <laughs> that doesn't mean a neo-nazi bar just saying for real uh tad asks them what uh their desert island band would be and pat has trouble thinking on his feet and this is a reoccurring theme when what's yours desert island band i have yeah. no idea okay let's think about it well okay we'll think about it i didn't really i didn't think about it i don't <laughs> uh, when Sam asks if they should plug their upcoming show, Tad reveals that it's been canceled due to vomit and fecal matter at uh, his last show, and then the county commissioner pulled his permit. Uh, he's got another gig lined up, though, but it turns out it's at a Mexican restaurant, and they only make six bucks each, and it's very cringy. Uh, Reese is pissed, and he threatens Tad. The rest of the band agrees it's time to call off their tour. Uh, Tad says as they wait, uh, he, their his cousin Dan, um, can hook up hook them up with a show, but it's closer to Portland. Um, his cousin Daniel and his girlfriend are going to stay with Tad, um, so he has to go get his apartment ready and can't go with them. Uh, they would be getting three fifty for the gig. Oh, <laughs> what? That just clicked. That just clicked for me. That just that clicked. They were. Yeah, I'm stupid. Okay, keep There's going. There's a lot of moving parts in this. Because when he... 
when they got there and he was like, oh, you're Tad's cousin and he was talking to Tiger and he was like, don't fucking say anything about yeah. me and her and Tad. And I was like, what? Are they having like some kind of three-way relationship? Like <laughs> incest? That's obviously where my mind went, but it, of okay, course. we can go. Yeah. We'll get to that point yeah, later. Yeah. Um, so they're getting 350 for the gig, but it's at an alt-right venue. Uh, Tad says they'll be fine if they stick to his cousin, Daniel, don't talk politics and play their earlier, heavier stuff. Uh, they camp out on the way down and arrive at the venue to find Daniel, who's sensitive about mentioning him and his girlfriend staying at Tad's place. Um, their name is spelled wrong on the marquee as Aren't Rights. Aren't Rights. They are taken into the green room by altogether twitchy, but somehow in charge Gabe. He's got like... The twitchiest personality. Gabe is an Apparently interesting that's, character. Uh, that guy is Jeremy Saulnier's like childhood best friend or something. Cute. He's also in Blue Ruin. I think he's also in Murder Party. I don't remember, but he looks. I familiar. actually didn't know that was a Saulnier joint. I thought it was really funny. It was funny, yeah. Uh, there are swastikas and SS symbols and Confederate flags in the green room, and Pat says he has. Just don't don't. Don't be there. Yeah. Leave. Uh, Pat says he has a dumb idea. On stage, their first song is Nazi Punk's Fuck Off by the Dead Kennedys. Great song. Uh, the crowd is... Good idea. Good idea. Great idea. Bad idea, though. Uh, the crowd is pissed, throws I mean, things. Ironically, that didn't end up being the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it pissed Worm off a little bit. Okay, so uh, the crowd is mad. They throw things. They flip them off. And then the front man of the headliners, cow catcher Worm, spits at them. Oh, that was him. God damn it, I'm stupid. So, this is bad. It's, no, there's like, it, I watched this movie like four times. There's I a need lot to watch going it again. on. Yeah. And it's very, this movie is so quick. Like, you, you really have to, like, when I was writing this plot, even though I've seen it four times, I was like, wait, okay, wait, what? What's going on? Um, I know I've paused it a million times. They play originals for the rest of the show and backstage. And once they're done, they find all of their equipment in the hallway and not in the green room because. Uh, the crew had to make room for the headliners. Venue dude Big Justin escorts them out, uh, but Sam forgot her phone. Pat goes back in to retrieve it and sees a young woman dead on the floor. Another woman, Oops. Amber, played by Imogen Poots, uh, asks him to call the cops. Pat dials quickly just as Justin rushes in and tries to grab him. Pat manages to tell the operator that someone has been stabbed, but Gabe rustles the phone away and hangs up. He scolds everyone in the hallway and tells uh, the band to stay there. He goes outside and gets a handgun from a trailer. He tells uh, our band, Ain't Rights, to go back into the green room with Cowcatcher, Amber, Justin, and the dead girl. 911 calls back and Gabe takes it out in the hall. He gives Justin the gun and says the cops are coming. Justin locks the door and Amber attacks Worm until everyone pulls her off. Uh, Gabe gets second in command and dog trainer Clark and tells him, who's very creepy. I think Clark is the creepiest one, even though. He looks like uh, the weird, like, demon that wore the leather coat and Insidious. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. He does. Kind of... I've, like, weirdly seen that movie, like, ten times. <laughs> With the, he's got, like, a, I, yeah, he, like, stands behind the shadows and stuff, right? That one. Yeah. Um, Don't worry. I'll drop a picture we'll in Google the chat. it. Uh, so, 
uh, Gabe tells Clark he needs two true believers, quote, true believers, two very young twin skinheads. That sent a chill down my spine, <sighs> I'll tell you. When he, yeah, so Gabe says, um, I need a true believer. And Clark says, how about two? <sighs> yeah. Uh, and they're twins. And they're twins. <laughs> Uh, so two very young twin skinheads are paid for one to stab the other. So the cops believe that it was them that the call was referring to. When the cops arrive, so does Darcy, played by Patrick Stewart, uh, played to honestly perfection, as he does with everything. Um, honestly, the casting in this movie is literally oh perfect. God, perfect. Like every performance is excellent. Um, he's the owner and leader of this organization. Gabe lets Cowcatcher out of the room, but leaves our guys Amber and Amber in there with Justin and his handgun. Outside, the cops have left Darcy, Clark, and Gabe to go through Ain't Right's van and Sam's phone. They find the siphoning equipment and seem to begin to formulate a plan for the kids. Gabe and Darcy come back and are outside the green room. They tell Justin to take the bullets out of the gun and give the kids the gun so the kids will let Justin out of the room. Reese blocks the door and refuses to let him out, and the rest of them agree they will only open the door for the cops. Tiger rushes Justin and bites him. Uh, Justin punches him in the face a few times, but Reese jumps on his back. Amber kicks him in the shins to bring him down. God bless you. (laughs) Thank you. I peed a little. Um, So they bring him down to the floor, and Reese pins him with his legs locking his neck and his arm across his body. God. I was like... You stop it, Joe. Just you quit stop it. it. Uh, he's also like somehow like yeah, the muscle. I don't know. At one point, Tiger calls him jujitsu, which I don't know if that's like we're supposed to put in like context that he like does some sort of martial arts training because yeah, he can pin this I mean, huge dude to the floor multiple times. Choke. They. I feel like I thought Reese was gonna be. The final girl, kind of. I thought Pat was going to bleed out from his wrist wound over there. No, because Pat's our sympathetic boy. Yeah, he's... Is he? And Reese is like the hot one. You know, when a man directs things, the hot one never lives. You know, the hot one's... I guess that's true. Gotta die. Um... Oh my god, he was on Peaky Blinders. Yeah. I totally forgot. I love Peaky Blinders, you know that. Uh, Same here. Maybe I'll start it again. They're all, everyone in Peaky Blinders is also hot, except for the girl who is in Malignant, who I can't, I she really, uh, I think that I just like, I don't love her performance in Peaky Blinders and I don't love her por- performance is- in Malignant. Killian Murphy elevates her. Okay, so it's still horny as hell. It's very horny. Because but I mean, like, you can't act opposite Killian Murphy and not bring, like, everything you've ever gotten. You know? Like, he's... Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so sad Helen McCrory died. She was so cool. Uh, Aunt Polly. She died? Oh, yeah, in, in really the show. I thought you meant in real life. No, she died in, in real, real life. life? Yeah, Aunt Polly died. When? Like a few months ago. I'm really sorry to have to tell you I this. I didn't know like, that. Yeah, it's oh, really Oh, what happened? She died in April of 2021. <gasps> uh, I'll tell you. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so sad. She was young. She was only 52. Oh, my God. May she really rest sad. in peace. Oh, my God. She died of breast cancer. <gasps> 
Oh my god. Wow, this is a dark episode. This is a lot. I'm upset. I didn't yeah, know. And she was... I saw it on internet. I don't I don't know what I when... need to be up I on pop culture you. more. Oh my god. Oh my god. Did you know she's an interview with the vampire? Second prostitute. Can you believe that? Oh my god, she is! <gasps> this is outrageous. Oh my oh god. Oh my god, we're having a moment. This is not interesting airtime, but wow, that's so true. I never put those two together. Wow. <gasps> okay, well, officially rip Helen McCrory. Wow. That's <sighs> depressing. Oh my god. Okay, where was yeah, I? don't even depressing. know where I am right now. Okay, so... I feel bad she didn't get to be the first prostitute, honestly. Okay, I, uh, Reese is on the floor with Justin. Okay, so they block the door with the couch and retrieve the cartridges slash bullets from Justin's pockets. In the hallway, Darcy is a menacing, angry calm that's, like, really unsettling. Um, Unsettling. He's, like, so mad. He, like, pushes Gabe's head up against the wall, but is also very calm about it. It's horrifying um he says they'll start staging up the road while they're in there sam has a gun but doesn't feel comfortable with it and wants someone else to take it but doesn't trust amber who she believes is a nazi who i also believe is a nazi i mean she is a she's nazi. a nazi that's like this movie has a problem with like well emily is dead so she's a victim and amber ends up like siding with the good guys so she's absolved of like her involvement in white supremacy no problem wrong like, wrong Sorry, man. Amber's a Nazi. Um, Reese directs Justin to sit crisscross applesauce on the floor, and he takes the gun. So cute. Uh, Amber says there's no way out of the room but through that door. Darcy wants several of Clark's dogs and says he might lose a few. Clark says they're pros and gives him his pricing sheet. It's like a very, it's a long conversation about dog prices. Whoa, I missed that whole thing. He's like, yep. Probably because I didn't know what they were talking about until the Until the end. Yeah, yeah, you have to watch this movie more than once. It's just as sad and great the second time. Uh, Darcy. Good thing I have you. What? Oh, to explain the plot. I think this might have been one of the movies that, now that I'm thinking about it, that sometimes when I watch a movie that I really, really enjoyed, I'll watch it back to back the second time just to like keep myself Mm -hmm. in the same. I think that's what I did with this movie. Which also helps me understand the plot. Uh, Darcy wants several blah, blah, blah. Uh, Darcy directs them to clean up the residence where they will be staging and leave just a roach in an ashtray so as not to seem not as suspicious to the cops. Because, of course... What does that mean, residence? So they have, like, their venue, and then just up the road they have, like, their... I think where... Maybe not where Darcy lives, but I think, like where other things uh, go on like more drug I guess we I don't know things. if we want to know yeah um they Darcy realized they don't have the keys to Ain't Right's van so they can't move it anywhere yet uh Cowcatcher is playing their set and Darcy and Gabe are looking for Daniel uh they find him in his new car with the engine running uh Darcy tries to contain the amount of people who know and tells Daniel only to get red laces involved. Um, Which is, I guess, like, we'll get into it, but red laces is, like, a thing in 
like skinhead organizations of people who have earned their blood. blood. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Disgusting. Uh, Pat looks through the absolutely through the dead girl's pockets and finds a napkin that says Fleischwolf on it. Uh, They get Justin to empty his pockets and he had a box cutter on him and his phone, but he breaks it before giving it to them. The lights go out and everyone starts panicking. Amber gives Justin a cigarette so they can see the cherry and where he is. She, this is when she claims she's not a Nazi and grew up, and where she grew up, it was a problem and the people who hurt her weren't white. I don't know what I'm supposed to take from like, that. I hate I it. I don't want this. I hate this. Yeah, like, that's, I feel like that was just like a very half-baked An apology. to like absolve her. Yeah, and it's just not working for me. Like, she can be a reformed Nazi at the end of this movie if she wants to be but never forget she was still a Nazi she was a Nazi um, Darcy gets on stage to claps and cheers but tells the crowd they are calling it a night and must have tripped a wire which caused the the lights to go out Daniel gets a few red laces and leads them inside while Worm gets ready to go Darcy and Gabe give him laced drugs that he has printed with a different drug dealer's logo um, I don't like hearing the N word. Don't like hearing the N word out of Patrick Stewart. I don't mouth. like hearing it from Patrick Stewart's wonderful yeah, voice. I I don't like it. Very good acting. I can't imagine like not, as an actor like so having someone ask me to say that. Absolutely not. I won't. Yeah. Do it. <sighs> um. Tiger saw what he thinks is daylight under the floorboards. And marks it. Uh, Darcy is back at the door to the green room and convinces Pat uh, to give them the gun. He says it's not registered and he just wants it out of the picture. He will let them go and they can tell whoever they want whatever they want. But Pat says he only wants to talk to the cops. Darcy then says the cops have come and gone. And that makes them all suspicious, as it should. They all agree that they'll give Darcy the gun for the cell phone, but he says no. For a cell phone, but he says no. Reese locks Justin in another chokehold, and Pat um, says they either give them the gun or they shoot them with it. Amber wants to do the latter, but no one else does because they're not murderers. They're a punk band. Like, they're not. This isn't. Yeah. It also doesn't seem like the fir- Amber's first kill is her first kill. She seems. Just saying. Violent. She seems pretty confident with that box cutter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Amber looks through the slats at the bottom of the door and sees only Darcy's feet. Uh, Pat opens the door just enough to slide his arm and the gun out. Uh, Just then, Amber sees red-laced boots, several red-laced boots. Pat tries to pull the gun back in, but they start slashing his arm. We only see the band side of the door, the green room side of the door, so we just see him, like, screaming and howling. Apparently they shot both sides. It's better that way. It's scarier. Yeah. Like, well, they shot... Patrick Stewart's doing his side and then, like, the band side, knowing they were only going to use the band side, but they wanted it to, like, I guess, like, feel more, like, authentic or impactful or something. I was like, I guess it worked. Yeah, it worked. Whatever it happened. was, It was good. Um, Tiger stabs at the people from above Pat with a metal rod that he took out of the ceiling, and then Reese breaks Justin's arm on the floor. They pull Pat back inside, and his arm is fucked up it's fucked up it's like hanging limp it's like 
gushing blood. I'm uh, not happy about it. It. I thought his hand was off at first. It's still on. Somehow. He's never going to use that arm again. It's not really. No, no, no. Um, Amber. Oh, they then block the door with the couch again. Amber rushes Justin, who has gotten up from the floor and grabbed his box cutter. Reese puts him in a real chokehold until he passes out briefly but wakes up again. He puts him back in, he, back in the chokehold and Amber grabs the box cutter and cuts uh, cuts vertically up his stomach while Reese holds him. And then Very this is where gross. it really like solidified that she this is not her first time, especially on my fourth watching. Like Reese is crying at this point because he's holding this guy. He didn't want to kill him. That's why he woke up the second time. And then Amber is like yeah. hold it like triumphantly holding this box cutter. Outside, Daniel is loading uh, the band's equipment into their van while Darcy hands out assignments to these little minions. He asks what happened. Um, Daniel asks what's what's happening, and they tell him that a visiting band hurt someone, and it was Emily. Uh, He then gets upset and wants to storm in, but Darcy says they have to be calm just as Clark pulls up with his little pups. Mm. They're cute doggies, but they're murderers. They're murdering dogs. Uh, They all try burrowing out, and Tiger breaks into what looks like an underground bunker, and it's full of heroin. They look for a way out, but the way is locked. Um, (gasps) All but Sam are on board with just running outside and trying their luck. Uh, Pat starts a story about paintball, but Reese is like, shut up, we have to get the fuck out of here. Um, Sam then admits that her Desert Island band is Simon and Garfunkel. Reese is his prince, um, and Pat still doesn't know because he can't think on his feet. Out in the hallway, no one is there, and they head for the main entrance because that's the only way they know out. Well, also, Reese says something so heartbreaking. He's like, we're not all going to oh, live, yeah. but maybe we will all die. And I was like, oh. And then. <laughs> no. And then. Some of them die. Some of them die. Yeah. As they get into the main room, a dog Runs in and gets Tiger and chews on his throat. Reese uh, jumps over the bar and crawls and then into like a pantry and then crawls through a window just to be surprised and stabbed by two red laces waiting outside. I have to say, I would so much rather be stabbed or shot by a person than, than mauled by a dog. Mauled by a dog. At one point, Amber is like, at least they're going to shoot me because... Yeah. Yeah. So Sam grabs a fire extinguisher. I did not understand that. Like, they were like, no bullets except for Amber. Like, I didn't get it. Can you help me? Because it didn't matter what happened to Amber because she's like part of the fold. Yeah, that no one was going to go looking for her. But they had to stage the scene. We'll get to that at the end. Yes. I understood that. I'm smart. No, you're very smart. Okay, so Sam grabs... Thank you so much. Of course. She grabs the fire extinguisher and tries a back exit, but a man is waiting with a machete. She sprays the extinguisher, stuns him, and he closes the door. Uh, Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Amber is attacked on stage by a dog, and Clark is all too happy to watch them kill. Uh, Amber grabs the mic stand and starts beating the dog with it. The mic hits the amps. Don't worry. It was really, they really shot the scene with a real dog, but the mic stand was made of foam. Cute. Um, it gives feedback, which spooks the dog. Pat runs forward and presses the mic to the Frankie end. also didn't like the feedback. I don't know if Bartleby was here. He was, was like, asleep. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. He did not care. He was asleep on the couch with me. <laughs> um, and the dog runs off. Uh, he see Pat sees the set list on the ground and the word Fleischwolf. He grabs it. Sam, Pat, and Amber go back to the green room. 
Uh, Amber says that Fleischwolf is a song and it means meat grinder. Outside, Darcy wants to... Did that... What did that mean? Did that matter? What it what meant? Do do I don't that? know what meat grinder... Like, what the significance of it. It seems like it was supposed to be significant, but I was like, I'm dumb. I don't know what It's a metaphor. Don't worry important. about it. <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Uh, outside, Darcy wants to send in more dogs, but Clark refuses until the feedback is turned off. Uh, Daniel says he'll go in and finish it, uh, and they send another red lace, Jonathan, with him. Reese is still breathing, and Darcy tells Gabe to let him bleed out because la- later time of death is better. I think we're also maybe Reese lives in this situation, because that, but then. I'm not really sure. We'll get to it at the end. But I really thought Reese was going to come back in, in the last scene, just like, boom, boom, boom. But that's in a movie where things aren't real. That's this an, is real shit. Right, this is a real movie. <laughs> uh, Daniel and Jonathan rush in, and Sam hits them with the extinguisher before jumping down into the basement. J- Daniel wants to know where Emily is, and Amber shows her her body, shows him her body, um, and says that it was Worm who killed her because she found out she was leaving. But Emily didn't tell him it was with Daniel. Uh, And Fleischwolf was their cue. Daniel tells Jonathan to leave. Outside, Darcy looks into Daniel's truck and sees... Trunk and sees that uh, he's packed his bags along with a bloody bat wrapped in plastic. I need help. If Fleischwolf was their cue, why is it in Emily's pocket? I think Daniel made the plan... He had the car ready. He slipped oh, a napkin to Emily. I thought Fleischwolf was the cue to murder her. No. I didn't know it was the cue to leave. Never mind. Because Worm says at one point that he murdered Emily during one of eight their right songs. set. Yeah. So. Got it. I'm sorry. This is. <laughs> it's a very. It's a plot where a hard. lot is going on. So that. Okay, so then Darcy sees in Daniel's trunk his packed bags, like family photos, and then a bloody bat that is wrapped in plastic. He brings the bat to Gabe and says it's from last Easter when the boys made their bones and it was supposed to disappear. Darcy kisses Gabe's forehead and says Worm saved them all. Darcy gives uh, guns to the red laces and says it's just blades and fangs for the visitors, but they can shoot the others. Our group leaves the green room and Daniel gives instructions on the way back to the main road and starts to re- reveal something he knows that they don't know about getting out, but um, an enforcer shoots him in the head before he can say it. We'll never know. Uh, Amber manages to pus- push the shotgun up while Sam sprays him, sprays the guy with uh, the extinguisher. Pat grabs Daniel's machete and kills him with a couple chops to the neck. Um, the three agree to try to just run for it again, but are met outside with open fire. Amber can't shoot through a gun, and Sam takes it, but Clark sticks the dog on her, and she goes down. Pat and Amber are back in the green room. Uh, Darcy says three will do for the setup, and the fourth can just disappear. Uh, Amber asks for the rest of Pat's paintball pep talk, and then uh, he goes into how they were up against legitimate war vet paintballers um and in the last match his friend just tore out and didn't care about taking cover and managed to wipe everyone out which i guess is a real story that happened um i don't I, it was like kind of cute but it, it felt like it was going to be more significant than it was um well it was a, just a real story I guess. so it wasn't that exciting 
in the office, Darcy gives Gabe red laces and says they're going to need a new house band, and he's worried about Cowcatcher's habits. Um, and then this is the context where we learn that he laced the drugs. Uh, Jonathan, another red lace, uh, and Jonathan, another red lace, and the dog. Head- Alan. Alan. I didn't catch his name. And, the, and a dog. It is on the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, they head back in, but the feedback is coming over the sound system, and the dog is like, fuck this, I'm out, and leaves. Uh, the two... <laughs> he just goes forever! I loved that he kept cutting back to the dog, just like... In his little home. chain, dragging on the ground. Um, yeah. The two men only have three bullets left, but they have permission to shoot the whoever. Um... They storm the green room and find Pat with a shaved head, black marker all over his face, and he's shouting down into the hole, holding the machete to confuse them. Uh, It works, and he jumps down, and they don't follow immediately. They turn off the feedback. Uh, Jonathan gets a shotgun and jumps down, but calls up for the other guy to get Gabe, just as Amber box cutters his neck and then um, shoots his handgun down into the hole. Gabe is power washing the bar and doesn't hear anything. Amber extinct. He's just like. <laughs> the power washer. Uh, <laughs> so. It kind of made me want to power wash something. I love to power wash something. Seems so satisfying. Um, Amber extinguishes into the hole and then pushes the, uh, the dead red lace down. Pat is hiding behind plastic curtains with a machete. Uh, Jonathan shoots but misses. Amber calls out to Pat and dangles Emily's feet in the hole. Jonathan shoots at them and uses up his last shot. Pat tries to load the shotgun, but he's got one bum arm. And Jonathan tosses the empty cartridge at him and then charges them, pinning him down. Amber jumps down, loads the handgun, and shoots Jonathan in the head. Uh, Gabe comes back into the green room and tells them that he that no one else is there and he doesn't want to go to jail. So he uh, leads them through the woods up to the residence. Uh, Gabe promises to go to the orchard and call the cops. Um, Amber and Pat go to the residence together. They sneak around, and Pat gets one skinhead to throw his gun away, while Amber gets Clark to tie up the dog. While holding both men at gunpoint, they lead them to the stage scene where Darcy is. Um, They're making it seem like the band was siphoning gas from the residence, and then the dogs attacked them for trespassing. They sneak around. Oh, no. Uh, Amber shoots Clark. He says, he just goes, listen, and then she shoots him. Um, (laughs) Pat says he only came up to ruin the crime scene and not kill anyone, and he again asked Darcy just for a phone. Uh, Darcy turns, oh my god, it's the way he walks away is so scary. I don't know why it scares me so so much. terrifying. He's He's like, he's not running, he's just calmly walking walking away. away. So yeah, so they have both of, like, this young skinhead and Darcy at gunpoint. And Darcy just turns around and walks slowly away. And then Amber shoots the young skinhead. And then then they both shoot at Darcy until he goes down. Um, Gabe makes it to the orchard and keeps his promise and asks them to call the police. Um, We see... You mean the only people of color in this movie? (laughs) Seriously. Uh, The one 
member of Cowcatcher, we see, like, we, we're at wherever Cowcatcher is held up, and we see one member with, like, a needle sticking out of his arm, and he seems dead. But Worm is alive and eating cereal in a very menacing way. It's like the milk is dripping. He's got dead so eyes. So scary. Uh, and then we see Tadpole vacuuming and getting ready for his cousin, who will never come. Um, sad. So sad. I don't. I still don't think his name is Tadpole. <laughs> I don't understand how that's a thing. Pat and Amber uh, sit and wait for the cops as the last dog, the dog who ran away, approaches. They point their guns, but the dog just lays down next to Clark's dead body. Uh, Pat it's says, "Extremely sad. Extremely sad." Pat says he finally has his desert island band, but Amber says, "Tell someone who gives a shit." The Fair end. enough. Uh, the first and last awesome. word of this movie is shit, which I also love. I love shit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought great. you might say something. <laughs> I was busy. Uh, <laughs> um, what is there to say? Oh my god. This movie yeah, is basically so. perfect. I don't know. I, I love it so much. So I looked up if um, extremism is... Uh, common in the Pacific Northwest and it turns out they're really into Nazis there Um, so they're it's obviously one of the whitest areas in the United States and this movie is set in like the Portland area and actually shot like pretty much exclusively in the Pacific Northwest which is nice because that doesn't feel like you're just in California and you're pretending it's like Oregon right of course yeah it's like the you got the fog you got the early morning so yeah they have uh, you know, a lot, they were big in the Chinese Exclusion Act. Oregon had some really, like, stringent and violent uh, anti-black laws in the 1840s. And obviously, um, indigenous erasure and genocide occurred there. Like, it occurred, you know, everywhere mm-hmm. in, in North America. Uh, but there's this guy, Harold Covington, that lives there. Have you heard of this guy? I don't think so. He is like a radio announcer Ooh. slash like blogger. And he is um, like a right wing neo-Nazi. So he is, uh, this is from a Seattle Magazine article from 2018. He's a longtime unabashed Nazi admiring white supremacist who promotes white settlement in the region. So that's Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Western Montana to form an all-white ethno state that will one day fight for its independence Ugh. and apparently a lot of neo-nazis and like alt-right extremists move there to like engage in this ethno state mm-hmm. ideology and yeah there was uh i found a new york times article from like the 80s there's this place called hayden lake idaho that's pretty famous where there was like basically a neo-nazi territory that was like eventually destroyed in the early 2000s but yes uh neo-nazis have a long history of activity in the pacific northwest so i think that puts this movie into a little more context um it's terrifying it's so scary it's also like uh scary that it's like was relevant when punk started you know in the 70s was relevant when this movie was made in 2015 is terribly relevant, relevant now literally right now yeah um yeah i think like all across america it's hard to america is a very weird place where weird things happen but like everywhere you go there is far right and far left and like somehow i don't know it's just like you don't know who to trust you know what i mean 
the yeah and the southern poverty law center has like a hate map where you can reference what active hate groups are uh, moving around the country and there's still like a very active um neo-nazi chapter in oregon and in neighboring washington so not everything is cool everybody everybody but it's also like then portland has things like the zone and like like you know anti-capitalist like anti-fascist movements as well that are like also yeah. try, like fighting for their rights in the same place where neo-nazis are it's just so yes. weird we're by no means reducing the pacific northwest to a gaggle of neo-nazis obviously sure. colonizers live there they live everywhere you know, you live wherever you live. You're kind of a colonizer if you're a white person. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just is, like, a very easy place for it to flourish because there's lots of places you can live off the grid. It's already, like, a predominantly white area um, because of, like, the Exclusion Act and anti-black laws. Mm-hmm. Like, that basically made it the, like, foundations of the state like extremely white supremacist uh yeah you know what we should have done we should find out um what what tribal land this movie was filmed on i shall do that this very minute okay uh so this the movie references uh, Pat's character being Jewish like when he especially when he uh says they should play Nazi punks fuck off and Anton Yelchin. Am I the worst person in the world? I just Googled indigenous tripe because I was thinking about. Indigenous tripe. fish? I, no, tripe is like in, like innards, like sheep innards. Oh, is that what it is? What am I thinking of? That's disgusting. I don't know. Meat names. Uh, Isn't there a fish? Pike? Maybe it's tripe. Pike. Maybe it's tripe. Pike. I don't know. Um, but Anton Yelchin it was a Jewish person. He had Jewish heritage uh may he rest so in peace sad. um i don't this is his last ever movie it was a great movie Can he gave believe? a great performance love him and i mean i i did accidentally watch star trek once i don't think it was the one that he was in though uh i can't really remember because i saw it on accident but uh he was great and it's like gone too soon in a very like tragic, very capitalist way, wherein like car companies don't do their proper research on anything because they're just trying to push out oh product quickly. Yeah. So um, for uh, context, he died in like a very terrifying way, which is that he was pinned between his jeep and a like stone pillar because he got out to check his mail and then his jeep rolled backwards down his driveway and pinned him between like it and this pillar and he just asphyxiated there squished between a jeep and a pillar uh and yeah because and then they recalled the car because i guess like a few near death incidents happened because it the car would say that it was in park but it was really in neutral which allowed it to roll down the hill right right not great. Not great. I guess always always put the e-brake on if you're parked on a hill. I mean, so in California, the you're always on a hill. Like, you know, yeah, it slips Is everywhere. California hilly? Yeah, especially, like, you know, if he was in, like, the Hollywood area. Super hilly. It was in Studio City, where his home was. 
Mm-hmm. So very hilly. I don't know if that place there. It's hilly there because I have not really ever been there. Okay, so the native tribes uh, that are indigenous to Portland, or excuse me, the indigenous land that Portland is colonizing and like sitting on top of is uh, Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Chinook, Tulatin, Kalapuya, uh, and the Malala. And I'm very sorry for my shitty pronunciation, y'all. I don't know any better, so. It was, yeah, land recognition. Um, There's also, like, I read a few articles about, like, the Jewish history of punk and, like, the... We read articles. I read an article or two. Scholars. Don't come at me. uh, Tell me. I actually don't know anything about this. I'm very interested. Uh, So... Yeah, there was, like, quite a few, especially in the 70s, like, founding members of punk bands um, that were Jewish. Lenny Kay, was this Patti Smith? You may, you may uh, never yeah. heard of it. Um, and then <laughs> V Subversa from the Poison Girls was, like, a Holocaust yes. survivor. Uh, That's wild. Sylvain Sylvain from New York Dolls. Lou Reed. Uh, Joey and Tommy Ramone and Elvis, uh, Mike Jones from The Clash, and then the owner, founder of CBGB, Hilly Crystal, all of Jewish heritage. I'm sorry, Hilly Crystal? What? 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 It just is funny because of Billy Crystal. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. Not that I don't know. I don't like know off the top of my head. Um... I, w- I, I wasn't meaning to call you out. I was just. It might not be. I copied it from the. No, article. it is. It okay. is Hilly, Hilly Crystal. Crystal. Okay. I didn't even think about Billy Crystal. I wow. don't often do Actually. Oh, maybe I have a problem. Um, Billy Crystal problem. But so Lou Reed's father changed his name, the family name, from Rabinowitz to Reed. I think I did know that. Yeah. I think I picked up that piece of information at some somewhere point. along when the you line. have uh, when you have a boyfriend that's like, like I'm just like really into Velvet Underground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Um, so yeah, but many like many of these people and many other people in the scene were reluctant to discuss their heritage or like make it the forefront of their um, like performance or. Like mm-hmm. stage presence, so yeah. like changing their names, um, etc. But uh, a lot of them, especially, so it's weird because people in the U.S. were collecting Nazi memorabilia. People in the U.K. were wearing and collecting Nazi memorabilia. Like Sid Vicious, everybody knows Sid and Nancy. Nancy Spungen was Jewish. Um, he wore swastikas all the time. Susie Sue wore swastikas on stage but like there was one instances where this one instance that i was reading where like uh she wanted to like i'm getting ahead of myself now i'm thinking before so manager and promoter no, it's because i never let you talk this long without interrupting right you. no i'm just kidding I, whenever i well no seriously whenever i listen to them back i'm like bitch shut up <laughs> no. um, so like a very like a famous punk promoter uh, and manager Malcolm McLaurin who was also Jewish um, kind of like spearheaded and like spurred this on um, with the whole swastika Nazi memorabilia thing Um, and he was passing out swastika armbands at a show um, and uh, Sex Pistols and 
uh, Susie and the Banshees were going to play with the armbands on and they were going to use the Clash's equipment that was already on stage. And they were like, no, you're not going to use that if you're going to wear those. It was like a whole thing. So there's like part of the scene that remembers, especially people in the UK that are like, I don't, we, our parents were in like we're Holocaust survivors or no Holocaust survivors. And then other people in the UK, like Sid Vicious, who were just trying to piss their parents off and make them stop talking about World War II. And then, and it's just like this weird amalgamation of people just trying to make everyone angry, but not understanding that like real people suffered and died and were persecuted. It's just so weird. I don't understand it. I don't understand the apologies behind it. I don't think we can ever forgive this or ever forget it. Like, don't wear a swastika. Don't do it. I remember listening to a Susie, like Susie Sue came up on my, because I like. Susie and the Banshees. I like Susie and the Banshees. Who does like A lot of like. The, I like when they kind of like overlap with New Wave in the 80s yeah. and things get kind of like wacky because um, I love New Wave. But I something came out and I was like, this, oh, Hong Kong Garden. And I was like, guys, this is problematic. And also just their name, like, why did you do that? Right. Why did you, why did you appropriate that? And then like Banshees are Irish folklore uh-huh. they, and they always are doing things that I'm just like, what? Um, but a fun fact about Susie and the Banshees I just learned, um, also known as Janet and the Icebergs, which I think is funnier. <laughs> I like that much better. Yeah, this is, uh, this is interesting. I didn't know that about, I didn't know Sid Vicious. Like, I knew Nancy was Jewish, but I didn't know Sid Vicious used to wear swastika. Yeah, it's like so a whole, and yeah, the sex pistols used to say shit and like, I, a lot of it is just dumb kids being fucking dumb. But at the other, at the, like, they were in the UK in the 70s, like, 30, yeah. 20, 30 years out from World War II. Like, you can, I'm, come on. Like, you can't just, I think what this reminds us is just that the British are literally always the worst. Like, <laughs> yeah, America's really racist and we're colonizers, but who did we learn it from? Big Daddy UK. Just, you know, we learned it from watching you. But I read this. I read an article. Remember, I read one or two articles. Uh, one to two articles. <laughs> uh, by Vivian Goldman, who is a British journalist, uh, called Never Mind the Swastikas, The Secret History of UK's Punky Jews. Um, she points out that while some punks wore it, um, they were also anti-establishment, um, you know, like, non like anti-neo-nazis and then also um that true believers never gave themselves away and were careful to and yeah so like it's very insidious and she is of jewish heritage as well and like was and in this article um talked about like having been in a like an underground show because reggae um, was also coming up kind of at the same time as like the other other there was like punks who were trying to be other and then reggae and people playing reggae who were actually being othered um and yeah. they would like often come together like and so she was at this underground show where they were playing reggae and then people came in wearing swastikas and the and the people playing reggae were like all right we're out gotta go yeah not doing it um Every time you say um, true believer or sends a chill down your spine, goes down my spine, literally, it's Uh, if you want to laugh, look up Robert Smith's um, photo on Wikipedia. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Recommendation. 
Um, there's also, I learned this from watching TikTok, but also I came across it while doing this research, is that there was a two-tone movement um, that started in uh, the UK and then came to America, too. Um, but uh, it was a fusion of reggae and Jamaican mm-hmm. ska and new wave and punk um, and often members. So there was a record label, Two Tone Records, um, and it was had a ton of BIPOC uh, band members. Like bands often had white people and black people, uh, people of Jamaican heritage, people of like English heritage. It was it's mm-hmm. like a and they made That's great, awesome. beautiful, non shitty ska music that I didn't know even existed. Someone, um, I'm hope someone is talking about this, but is someone talking about just like what? white men in the 90s and 2000s did, did to ska. ska. Well, so there's this, I <laughs> had to look at TikTok and maybe I'll put like, it on our Instagram, but there's, I like somehow fell into ska TikTok. I'm cool with it. I'm chill with being there. It's um, better. Were you on uh, Berries and Cream talk that week? Everybody was just remixing Berries no, and Cream No, I missed from the that whole commercial. thing. I didn't understand the references. Uh, I'll say mental illness TikTok, not always the most fun place to be. be. It can really call you out on your behavior sometimes. Yeah, you're like, um, oh, wait, that's Um, bad? I'm not supposed to do that? Uh, Yeah. um, But, like, Real Big Fish ruins. Fuck you, Real Big Fish. That, like, can't people just stop stealing stuff from black people and making it bad? Ugh. But so while that was happening, there was also the National Front, uh, which is a far right fascist political party that started in 67 in the UK um, and tried to merge itself with the punk movement in the 70s. It's just like all of these things happening all at once, like half of it is far left, half of it is far right. And then people are wearing swastikas in the middle. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop. Just stop. Yeah. Just, like, it's how hard would it be not to do that? Yeah, yeah, how hard would it be? And then in the 80s, in America, it was hardcore, and that's, like, where we get, like, the Den Kennedys, Nazi punks fuck off, and then we also yeah. have hardcore bands who were neo-Nazis. I don't understand. Yeah, and I think, as I mentioned to you before, there's also the way that it intersects, like, how, like, Nazi black metal intersects with black metal in the u.s but then also intersects with the norwegian black metal scene which is some of the craziest scariest shit i've ever heard that people were literally just murdering each other why for funsies for funsies like well okay so there is one that i found out about that was a band member murdered um a gay man that came on to him and then he was like it wasn't sexually motivated or like a hate crime i just like to murder and i was like that's not better (laughs) um liking to murder isn't not better that much better than hate criming someone yeah and people are like killing their bandmates and just like murdering people left and right i mean norwegian black metal seems like a place i never don't go there um yeah, it's extremely scary. But yeah, they're it is like fairly new too. Like not like true Nazi black metal is something that like kind of didn't emerge in its current form until the like early to mid nineties. Uh like which is kind of like terrifying because that's like really too late for it to be happening. Too late. Too bad it's I mean, we <laughs> like there's this fallacy, right, that we're moving towards a more progressive place. Uh, but that's not the case. Unfortunately, it's so sad. Like someone's trying to make a white ethno state in the Pacific Northwest right now. No, I don't. And there's people, you know, I always like, I mean, in my 
you know, naivete. It's like, I think that the people causing problems are like old, white, rich people, right? Which is true. But the people buying into it, some of them are my age. Like some of them are our age. I read read an article (laughs) that said a lot of the people like moving towards neo-Nazi ideology are millennials, which is extremely Are you fucking kidding me? Like where where were you? How do you, how did you have the same cultural experiences that I had? Because I grew up in, like, the suburbs. I grew, you know, we were poor, but Arizona's, like, pretty cheap to live. So, like, you know, but. I don't know, like, what calls someone to, like, neo-Nazism. Because it's not, like, necessarily so, like, socioeconomic hardship or, like, you know, oppression, right? Like. What? Because it's not about like economic security. I mean, really, it's a, like racially motivated, almost entirely like right. motivated by white power, almost entirely. So there's no like, like a black person took my job. Like what? What the fuck are you doing? There's like no like possible reason for that to be the move. I don't under. I just I can't I wrap my mind all. around it. I don't like why someone would choose that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we. I mean, it's all like really bred from our systems, right? Yeah. Like our systems teach us that blackness is bad and like being indigenous is bad. But like, I feel like. In many ways, like, blackness and particularly, like, the blackness of men is dangerous and something that you need to, like, organize against when they're, like, black people are systematically oppressed, but, like, then also somehow pose a threat to your whiteness. It just, yeah, the we're losing the plot. The numbers aren't clicking here. Yeah. I Someone needs to like explain this to me i don't understand actually don't don't explain it to me. <laughs> please don't i don't want to talk to you um but is and in this movie there we have the instance where amber's like i'm not a neo-nazi and then pat and sam give her pushback and he's he says at one point how could you buy into this bullshit that's how i feel it's like how are any of you buying into all this bullshit it's bullshit i don't understand yeah, like i mean and i think that's the way that like white women particularly uh, perpetuate systems of oppression because we are also like oppressed and robbed of our agency in some way to some extent. So like white women are taught to weaponize their tears or their sexuality or their like, you know, vulnerability. And when you weaponize that, you find like safety or you find ways to like navigate the world, even though you don't have the agency of a white man. Right. So Amber saying, like, well, I had a shitty upbringing and my shitty upbringing was somehow related to, like, BIPOC threatening me, which is, like, extremely vague and bizarre. I don't like to have that. Said nothing at all. So, like, this, this experience, these, like, white women's tears then justify her turning to, like, neo-Nazism because she has, like, the excuse. She's brokered this excuse for herself that, like, oh, well, someone tried to hurt me that was brown. Um, and, like, this is how, like white women in like film too it's like okay so Saulnier is saying like well Emily died so she's a victim and she was leaving anyway right Mm -hmm. like she was leaving they were leaving and then Amber is a victim because 
she, she's a woman like in the, the scene. She's a woman in the scene. And she is absolved because she told Pat to call the cops, right? And then she becomes, like, othered from her, like, neo-Nazi experience by just simply being a witness. Like, Mm -hmm. she's, she's not upset about Emily's death. She's obviously killed before. Like, this is not, she's not, like, a hero. And she gets redemption because she just, like, ends up helping Pat, who's, like, our likable kind of goofball character. Mm -hmm. And this is, like... I feel like why white women are so sinister and such a threat, like, to people of color in a way that is, like, so much more subtle and sinister than just, like, the outright violence that, like, white men present, you know? Well, it's also, like, uh, same with, like, you know, first wave feminism is, like, white women hiding behind we are oppressed because we're women and we are the most oppressed end of story like no one else will ever experience the kind of threats that we have which is true like women face threats but like on top of that BIPOC face threats from white supremacy from white supremacy that you are perpetuating with your white feminism maybe a man of color isn't susceptible to sexual violence in the same way a white woman is maybe maybe I say (laughs) but also like It just, this movie kind of just reminded me, like, oh, as long as we keep, like, absolving white women of, like, experiences like this or the experience of being, like, silent participants while their partners or the men in their lives do shit like this, Mm -hmm. then, like, white supremacist ideologies will always exist because white women have this sort of, like emotional pull and power that makes them just like like such a threat to toppling white supremacy Mm -hmm. it was nasty i feel nasty talking it was it's nasty and i think like at one point it seems really realistic for her to behave this way right to hide behind this like neo-nazism is like i was hurt and i need protection right but then the movie doesn't punish her for that. And we are supposed to... She's, like, cool, you know? She's smart. She's cool. Like, she's she survives. Okay yeah. Yeah. She and, gets the last, like, quippy line mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, basically, Reese, Tiger, and Sam die to protect her. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam dies to protect her. Like, she's, like, eating, eaten by a dog and telling her to run. Yeah. yeah. Like, so they're just... I don't know, like, she gets to kind of, like, cheat the system yet again by aligning herself to, like, a likable guy, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know, like, the, it's a very puzzling dynamic between the Pat two of and them. Because Pat only, yeah. he hatchets the shotgun guy who comes in the bar. He, like, murders him, um, kind of with everyone around him. And to save, again, to save Amber. Um, and then he he and Amber both kill Darcy. But Amber murders, like, five people. She kills Justin. She kills the Alan or whatever. She kills Jonathan. She kills the young skinhead at the scene. She helps kill Darcy. She's, like, six people she's murdered. Um, Isn't it weird how much of a point this movie makes of telling you the names of the skinheads? Yicky. Yeah, it's a little yicky. Yicky. Yeah, Amber's a murdering Nazi. Like, she Mm -hmm. doesn't get to not be a murdering Nazi because she is also, like, being victimized by the Nazis. Like, sorry. 
And she makes... I feel like every choice you made has put you here. Like, there's a way of, like, people will never deny that, like, people experience violence in their childhoods. They're systemically oppressed. Things happen to people that put them in situations outside of their control. But it just feels like choosing to be a Nazi is, like, never the move. It's never the move. Pretty much no matter what happens. Yeah. Uh, Joining a white power movement is not the call. I also, yeah, like, we, there's still, like, present misogyny in that our, the kickoff of this event is the murder of a woman who remains unnamed until the third act of the movie. She just lies dead on the floor. Oh, and the way the scene of worm like pulling the knife out of her and dragging her along by her knife face is it's hard to watch i really recommend watching this movie if you haven't seen it it's truly like we cover scary movies this is the most genuinely terrifying movie i've ever seen besides creep which is always (laughs) always up top it is very scary and in ways Um, that horror movies often aren't like in very real ways like we said like it feels like something that you that someone could experience I I couldn't experience I wouldn't go in there I would never have darkened the door of that place no 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 but it's a real violence that really happens in a way that like when we you know like serial killers in movies wear hockey masks and Halloween masks and like wield these cartoony sort of weapons and they don't have the like real serial killers are stalking women in the night um, is that neo-Nazis they talk about them earning their bones like neo-Nazis really do go out and murder BIPOC like they do that they disappear people and like yeah I guess like there are BIPOC on the punk scene, like in the punk scene, trying it's to make horrifying like, that are like subjected, so not necessarily subjected to this, but like this is a real threat in their like life every day. Mm-hmm. It's oh, even man. like the um in Seattle, like in the Pacific Northwest, like the real um like garage band sound was heralded by a black woman who never gets her her due because everyone can only talk about Kurt Cobain and she was faced with racism all the time. Anyway. Wait, who are you talking about? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm dumb. It's a uh, fuck, I forgot her name. I forgot her real name. Well, I'll look it up. Oh my god, we're racist pieces of shit too. Fuck. Like I know anyone's name. <laughs> I can barely remember my you own know, name. You know Kurt Cobain's name. We're just proving how deep it runs, dog. Okay, well I couldn't name any other ba- name I couldn't name any other not, member of. Not you specifically. Sure. The royal we. The royal you know? we. Um, so um, I think we are. Well, we have run out of. One point for this okay. movie. No crouch goblins in it. No what? No, no children. Aww. Look at him. Um, <laughs> Such a crazy He's like randomly texted me. Uh, okay. So next week we're talking about. Um. Van Helsing from 2004, which after this movie will literally feel like the worst movie you've ever seen in your life. It is so bad. I watched it in high school uh, in the theaters with my best friend at the time, Gabby. Shout out if you're listening. Probably you're not. Um, Gabby and Abby for life, except our friendship did not last for life. So... Womp. But yeah, it's a truly terrible movie. Kate Beckinsale's accent is something out of my nightmares. I can't wait for you to watch it. Uh, what would you like to fuck this I week? I can't. I don't want to fuck Nazis. 
literally fuck all nazis no excuse for nazis are you distracted by something on your phone i'm trying to look at her name i'm trying to look up her name god damn it if only i could remember um anyway uh, i probably i don't know i'll probably look it up and i'll tell you and i'll text you and then i'll put it on the instagram oh my god big news from instagram right now leonardo dicaprio to star as jonestown cult leader jim jones I don't really want to watch a movie about Jim Jones, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, Jim Jones, honestly, Jim Jones really bums me out because I know we're running really long, but like, he was proving that socialism worked and then he just had to go murder. He had to go murdery on it. And he was like actually an anti-racist. He was no, like, I mean... like for a while, for a while in Indianapolis, he was actually helping people get out of shit and like being an anti-racist actively and then he got really exploitative and murdery okay yeah this it's is, hard I'm to not say for jim jones right nobody this isn't a jim jones apology tour but it's hard to say like was he using this anti-racism as like a narcissistic way to make himself more important maybe the thing is i don't think he could even tell you that no. Mostly because he was hopped up in amphetamines and, like, very fucked up. But I don't think they're, like, I read Road to Jonestown, which I, by yeah. Jeff Gwynn, which I recommend. And I, like, really don't think Jim Jones knew what Jim Jones was doing. I think he definitely point. wanted power, but he actually did help people by accident or on purpose along Right, the way. yeah. It's true. Well, fuck Jim Jones, everybody. Fuck he Jim like, Jones. like, 900 people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say... I don't know. Fuck. I mean, just I feel like fuck Nazis. Fuck Nazis. I can't really think. This movie is just like so heavy, Nazi heavy that it's hard to to think of anything else. We're already over time, so why don't we just leave it at fuck Nazis and uh, fuck Joe Cole all day. Ooh, in a nice nice way. way. Wow. Let's let's watch the Black Mirror episode that he's in together because it's so good. Okay, that sounds fun. Um, so we'll see ya for Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale. Get excited, people. Um, you can find us on Instagram. God damn it. Every week I forget this. Spooky Succubus underscore cast. We've got a TikTok. Don't ask me what it is. It's on our Instagram. Fuck. I don't remember. Yeah, just go to the I'm going to put up a TikTok. And don't you do it now. I challenge you. This is way over. We we like have to stop. Okay. (laughs) I haven't said anything intelligent. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. Bye.